Wow, that's a high-level game. That's a big-time game. They don't get too much better than that. And uh, our defense was excellent. And we did a lot of switching tonight. And then uh, we were able to move their defense enough, just enough, not every time, to get some driving lanes. And, uh, and we won. Well, they're mentally tough. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, we haven't made them mentally tough. They came here uh, mentally tough, and especially uh, those two kids, Ian and, and RJ. They, they played at a high, high level of scrutiny. Uh, and uh, we got tired. I thought they got a little tired, too. I mean, it was that type of game. So we went zone a little bit just to kind of save us, and we, we covered it fairly well. And, uh, but we, we, uh, we're talking, obviously, we're really tired and happy and ecstatic, high level. Obviously, I'm proud of my team. Uh, we train on the recovery. It's been a tumultuous week for us, you know, starting with Zion, uh, getting hurt in Florida State, and I'm playing. You know, we, you know, we played 125 minutes in the last three games, and 18 of them we got our starters. And uh, so to play, almost beat Syracuse and be right there, win these two games, it's a heck of a thing for our kids. Talking about Zion and RJ playing every minute against U UVA after playing every minute against Syracuse, uh, and it's funny, Peter. <coughs> Coach K doesn't, you know, he doesn't even feel like it's necessary to pump pump these guys up, like in his press conferences. You know, it's almost like for, a given for playing every game. Not playing every game, just for being for such ridiculous. Playing, playing every minute. Yeah, just being so great too, like. I mean, he he bumps him up. I mean, he had an eleven-minute press conference after the UVA game and talked about a bunch of things, but did, nobody had said, "Wow, Zion Williamson scored, you know, scored half your points tonight, and you know, only missed two shots that weren't three pointers." You know, like, like it's such a given that this guy is extra planetary good that we don't even. Coach K's not even people are, to talk yeah. about it. I mean, you know? we're at the point now where people are taking Zion for granted. I mean, he is pretty much an alien, but he keeps having these 20-point first halves where he goes 9 for 10, 10 for 10, 9 for 11. People are going to start taking that for granted and not truly appreciating what he's doing. Yeah, the, against Pitt, he's, he didn't... But he's, he's gotten way, way more than his... He's gotten so much love. Yeah, he's getting plenty of love. Coach A's given him plenty of love in, in interviews. Right. Everyone's just nonstop talking about it, but it, we can't stop. I mean, against Pitt, uh, I guess let's get it out of the way. Against Pitt, he goes 9 for 9 in the first half. They have a comfortable lead. 20 points. Yeah, 20 It's really crazy. And, and he said in, in the locker room at half that uh, I didn't realize I had 20. I thought I only had 10. I thought I was having sort of like a... A bad, like sort of like a ordinary game. I mean, even for him, I think it feels like um, 
It's like a quiet 20 if that's possible. A quiet 20 in the first half. Well, it's never quiet when it's Zion. All eyes are on him for us. But a lot of the, those points came off of putbacks. Yeah. And like right. broken plays where he got a ball and, and, you know, got an offensive rebound. And he his usage, he's not like stealing possessions from other people. Like, to, to, you know. He's like an amazing garbage man for like <laughs> four or five cleanup possessions per game. Yeah, it's really it's really incredible. So I actually thought the second half of the Pittsburgh game spoke tons about him and and sort of the way way he fits in with the team, him as a basketball player because you know he they had a comfortable lead and he yeah. just became a distributor. Yeah, he's not pressing the gas, looking to score forty or fifty points. Yeah, he's I mean, not he's, RJ. He, he's actually he's a. <laughs> Right, like, <laughs> he's he's actually he's actually looking for moments in a game where he's taking slightly the suboptimal route to get Cam Reddish involved, to get Jack White involved, to get Mark Quee- like he's <coughs> he's trying to get other people involved. Excuse me, I have a cough this week. I'm gonna try to keep it to a minimum. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, a lot of times he is. It's the optimal thing is for him to conserve energy, and if another guy has a, has a good shot, he doesn't always have to. You know, put his foot on the gas, um, but it, when you, the you, yeah. you want him to do it when when we need it. It does seem though his foot's on the gas all the time. Maybe not in a scoring perspective, but in all other facets, this guy's motor is oh, off yeah. the charts. Absolutely, off the charts. Absolutely. So uh, it's <laughs> it was a good good week since we last talked after the Syracuse game. Uh, we beat uh, beat UVA at home. You know, we beat probably the best team in the country. We just we just beat him without Trey Jones, without Trey and Jones, correct? Maybe like a slightly ailing Cam Reddish, uh, who was back from his. Uh, he looked fine un- under the weatherness. Uh, he, he didn't play that amazing, and then uh, we go up to Pittsburgh and we visit Coach K. Bowles' team, which lo- who looked who looked really game. Can you talk briefly about you went there last year? You physically went there last year, and then the atmosphere this year. Seems such a like, right? I can't remember if we played Pitt very late in the season last year, but it was clear they were just a complete train wreck. They were maybe like 0 and 10 or 0 and 12 in conference. Man, that place was hopping. It was sort of close for the first, uh, I don't know, six, seven, eight minutes. They had a brief lead at 15 14 or something like that. There were, uh, it was a Jay Z was in the crowd. You saw Pittsburgh Steelers in the crowd. You know, Coach Capel has everyone. This is a big event for yeah, them. Yeah. National TV game. They hadn't had an important game in a while. They beat Florida State at home last week. Huge win for the program. Huge. Yeah, and they they have a winning record. They, they have a lot of talent now. Just poof, out of nowhere, Capel is a wizard, I guess, with uh, recruiting. Yeah. And, and yeah, you're right. Last year I went to the game, uh, happened to be traveling then, and was able to stop over in Pittsburgh and, and check it out. And I got good seats for, like, really cheap. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's interesting. The place has a lot of history. That gym, that gym is a hollowed gym, you know, in terms of the atmosphere. There's the numbers up in the rafters. They've been to a lot of Final Four banners or, or, or I'm sorry, a lot, a lot of conference championship banners. Yeah. Big East tournament champions. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've, they've been good. They, they actually haven't gone to a lot of Final Fours. 
But but both Ben Howland and Jamie Dixon did very, very well there. Very well. They have a lot of history. Pittsburgh, University of Pittsburgh Athletics has a lot of history, you know, uh, going back, but, but also recently. So the fact that their program completely cratered the last few years was... Uh, was perhaps the aberration, but for them, that's the way they think of it. And yeah, the spirit had been taken out. The gym, the gym was quiet. But you even about when you were there, yeah, even ago, but yeah. even last year, the, the student section—they're on their feet. They're doing their thing. Yeah, you know, it was more of a cult, probably thing then because they were terrible. <laughs> they were beyond terrible. Yeah, they were really bad. Um, but I did not expect Jeff Cable to turn around that quickly. I mean, his his two leading scores and two guards. They're both freshmen. One sort of reclassified up, so that's a little sort of trick that um, yeah. Duke has implemented over the last seven, eight, nine years. Um, he's really turned that turned that program around. I mean, he's he beat not just Florida State. I think they knocked off Louisville also. So <laughs> that team is certainly capable. Yeah, that was actually like a, a super tough atmosphere, and it, it wasn't just the atmosphere that they have talent. They have real talent on that team. Yeah, and I think they and were missing one of their guys, like a key defender. Up and down the lineup, I thought they had athletic talent. They challenged, they contested, they they, they went up strong. They they had guys that looked good playing basketball, which was not the case last year. And uh, it was a hard fought. Like I was, I was impressed by how we rose to the challenge. And it could have been, it wasn't likely to be a letdown game. Because they all know Jeff Capel, yeah, and and they're in, you know, it was an interesting matchup. That Capel recruited a lot of these guys that that are on the Duke roster. Yeah, he's responsible for this monster. And when he got interviewed at halftime about Zion, he just like cracked a smile. You know, he's like, yeah, what are you gonna do? You know, like he knew, like you know, he knows our team as well as he knows his team, maybe better. Um, yeah. And you know it was really like I thought it was like a great celebration, and I was, I was actually <laughs> wondering whether it felt like in the second half we took the foot off the gas a little bit, out of out of sort of, you know, respect for him or, or something like that. But they did leave the coach K left the starters I, in. Yeah, I, 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 I wonder out so. of like a sign of respect maybe, because yeah. they they took Zion out with four minutes left. Yeah, we we're up twenty. Right, and he didn't need to come back in, but. Uh, it's an yeah, interesting uh, I, I actually, decision. Yeah, I actually thought um, there was a little bit of experimentation in the second half, just like there was, I believe, a little bit of experimentation in the second half of the Virginia game, uh, where we saw, I think, the first two-three zone from us. It's more like a three-two. It's more like a three. You thought it was three-two? Well, it was a lot of perimeter coverage. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, a two-three can look like a three-two if it's shaped the right way. I mean, right. it almost looked like... Um, but it seemed it, like they were practicing it. So maybe they yeah. were letting... They were just experimenting a little bit. Um, I and, think with Trey Jones out of the lineup, and like against UVA, right. everyone played every minute. They had played every minute against Syracuse, and I think they realized at, in, the, in the overtime there was fati- fatigue was an issue. And I think one, one of the strategies, Coach K mentioned in the press conference, was to give them a little let-up, you know. Yeah. Uh, by, by putting them in a zone so they could they could last the game. 
Yeah, the um, overtime was a Syracuse game, but I think specifically in the Virginia game. That's where they switched to the zone. That's what I'm saying. After yeah. the Syracuse game, they, oh, they, they, they were, were a little burnt. Yeah, and, I actually know. thought the impetus was specifically um, Virginia was doing high, high ball screens to, to match up with Marquise Bolden, and he got burned maybe like two or three times in a row. And as a result, Javon Deloria had either fouled out already. He, he fouled out in seven minutes, picked up five fouls, yeah. was on the bench with four fouls. And to protect them, they went to the they went to the zone. And from an eye test perspective, it, it actually seems pretty good. I mean, RJ and Cam up top are so long, and then we've got Jack and Zion on the wings and uh, Marquise in the middle. It seems like yeah. a good implementation. I feel like when Trey comes back, for sure, we're probably not going to see it unless it's not, not much. really match up. We're not going to see it much, but I do like it as a, as a wrinkle, as an adjustment against when a team kind of isolates Bolden. Our bigs, yeah. Or, 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 yeah, our bigs, or even Jack White. You don't want Jack White. He's a really good defensive player. You don't want him matched up against their like fastest ball handler. Right. And like having a guard from the perimeter because he's just going to be able to get by him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, also, it, you know, it protects Jab and Marquise picking up quick and a lot of fouls. What do you think about the minutes distributions? It seems like Marquise has emerged as, you know, he's getting like 30, 35 minutes, whereas... Let's, let's talk about Jab. the defense just a little more. Okay. And then, then let's get let's definitely get to Marquise. I have a few things to say about him. Um, on the defense, and I've been thinking about, like, all the all my favorite, all the best Duke teams... Uh, I feel like develop a defensive identity by the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and I think like one of the most glaring and interesting examples of a team that didn't start out with a defensive identity and developed one was uh, when when Boozer uh, got injured towards the end of the 2001 season and Casey Sanders had to be plugged in the lineup. Okay. And like was so committed to, to playing his role, blocking shots defending, taking charges, whatever. Sanders? Yeah, Casey Sanders okay. came in and just the, okay. def- the, the defense gelled. And like, it was like, uh, and then by the time Boozer came back, there was this defensive identity. And, and I remember like the Okafor, Justice Winslow, Trey Jones team, like how they ended up developing this defensive identity by the end of the year. Yes. You know, with, with Emil stepping Matt Jones. Matt Jones and Emil stepping up in such big ways you, in the defensive you, you, but uh, justice Quinn also Cook. Quinn Cook Quinn yeah but I just all the best Duke teams get there on the defensive side of the ball and that's why we've been talking about it the last couple of years how disappointing it's been that we haven't been able to kind of get there I've actually been meaning to ask this question but yeah continue so I think with the last two years I mean we've had <coughs> very young teams and our veterans are guys like Grayson Allen and Luke Kennard, yeah. who aren't super talented defensively. Um, but, you know, the one year we had, you did, we still had Matt and Emil. But the, the other guys, the freshmen, I think even though they were very talented players, especially on the offensive end, they didn't come in with any, any skill set on defense, really, out, outside of Wendell Carter. Um, that trend was okay. He was okay. He always seemed to be kind of thinking, like reacting, not... Um, yeah, he was okay. <laughs> but uh, there were such glaring weaknesses with some of the freshmen. And they really weren't able to make make progress enough. There was some progress, but not enough. These guys come in, and obviously they're plus athletes. They're long. Plus length. Yeah, they're long. They have... Plus height. 
they have tools. They have talent and tools. But they also have this willingness. But I think they came in already at a higher defensive level than the other guys came in at. And and Jack White and and Bolden and Javin, they have enough experience now to where, you know, we really have like a a defensive core that, that they can work with. You know, I just don't know that we had enough to really work with the last couple seasons. And this year, I feel like, we're, it's it's easy to focus on the offense, but yeah. this defense, like the off, like these guys were scoring the ball in Canada just like they are now, Zion and RJ. But the defense is the thing that's really coming together yeah. against UVA. Without Trey Jones, their best defender, <clears throat> the that first half was a thing of beauty on defense. They really they 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 were able to switch a lot. That was a slightly different strategy. Uh, in terms of how they were playing ball screens. And UVA figured it out, and they, they started picking them apart in the second half, like you said. But um, but they're really, they really, I do really feel like they're coming together on the defensive end. And every couple weeks, I was like, wow, they're better than they were a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I, I feel you like know? their defense has been um, top five, top ten, like a very good defense all year long. I was pleasantly very, very, very surprised at how good this team is without Trey Jones. Um, based on the Syracuse game, I thought the defense would sort of fall apart, but they've been very good against Virginia, very good against Pittsburgh. Um, I, I meant to ask you maybe like five, seven games ago, like wh- why? Why is this team so good defensively? I mean, they seem to know when to help. They know they seem to know exactly how much to hedge off. They Z- make mistakes. Z- yeah, they, they still they, make, they mistakes. make mistakes. Yeah. Zion makes they mistakes. Yeah. Zion a lot of times is <clears throat> he gambles above sometimes, the, he, you know. He definitely but, goes through stretches where he like over gambles consecutive possessions too many times. But he 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 also makes tremendous plays. He's yeah, his above, batting average is high enough that you don't mind him gambling. Yeah, but I just feel yeah. like this team is so good defensively, help wise. They sort of act as a unit. They they move as a unit. Whereas last year it was so horrific. Is is it not coachable? Do they have to come in? I don't think those guys were, were coachable as a unit on defense last year. You know, <clears throat> I, mean, I don't want to spend too much time on it. But with Bagley and Trey Duvall, Trent Carter, Grayson, like I put it flat it's, it's, out, you, you can't coach it. I will put it flat out, Trey Duvall was the worst defensive guard ever to wear a Duke uniform. And he shouldn't have been because he actually had tools. Yeah, he but has a huge his mentality, yeah. he, his mentality was, was, was terrible. His, his bat, like Zion's batting average on these gambles is 30, 35%. Yeah. I, Trey's was I almost five, five, ten percent He would, he would gamble much more in much more low percentage spots, get himself <clears throat> completely out of position. And um, re- the reverse cherry pickings. I, he also came up in a in a different podcast where it didn't paint him in a very good light for the year that he was at Duke, where he didn't seem to take things that seriously. He the transition defense was a huge, huge problem last year, yeah. and a lot of that was a lot of that was was him, but it wasn't just him. You know, it was easy to focus on him, but Bagley didn't have a clue a lot of the time. You know, even though he was talented also. They came in with, like, negative defensive IQ. Right. Like, the wrong ideas. Not just, like, I don't know what to do, but 
but I think they also were a little stubborn. Yeah. You know, so. <clears throat> but, but this particular squad, I mean, to go back to, say, the 2015 team. Yeah. Even going back to the 2010 team, it seemed like a lot of times our defenders were able to stay in front of the ball to go laterally left and right. I mean, I'm thinking like Quinn Cook, um, Nolan Smith, Kyle Singler, John Shaw. I mean, they could stay in front of their guys. It's, it seems like our team this year very often, I mean, not all the times, but our guys are long enough and quick enough and athletic enough to stay in front of their man. And if they get beat in one direction, the help, help defense is very good. Very good. It's very vertical. People can jump, which leads to blocks. Yeah, um, but it's just slightly over aggressive sometimes. But yeah, but we've talked about. I'm glad they're they're being aggressive and not too passive. Last year's team, you had guys staring at each other, wondering who was going to try to contest this shot, and a lot of times it was nobody. Right. You know, if and it wasn't Carter. A lot of sort of complaining and finger pointing afterwards, like where's the help? Where's the help? <clears throat> It was a lot of flat-footedness. Yeah. It, yeah. Effort level. Effort. Coach K, every Coach K team from the time I was that we were there in 1994. Right. And it, it applied before then. Up through, you know, Josh McRod, you know, up through just recently. Like, we played harder than the other team. We got the hustle stats, you know. I mean, pretty consistently, like the defensive intensity in the in, in Cameron, yeah, it was it was insane, most years, and the last few years it, it's it's felt different, and that's why we've been sort of hemming and hawing and gnashing our teeth a little bit about like, do we like all these one and dones because they come in they don't they aren't committed to defense or we're not able to teach them enough of the principles quickly enough, right, but. I think it had to do with the actual personnel. I mean, it has to do with that, too. They only right. have nine months with them. So, <clears throat> you know, imagine how good a defensive player Zion would be as, as a junior or senior. We're never going to see that, right? <clears throat> but, but yeah, these guys came in. Cam Reddish. They I feel like he has the most room to improve. Yeah, Cam, Cam is – I mean, these guys came in ready to compete. And they don't take possessions off. Trey Jones picks up that motherfucker picks up full court. Yeah. You know, Jack White Jack White never lets up. Yeah. Bolden. I, I you know, I criticize Bolden not I don't think I ever criticize him for effort level, but it's a fit level mostly. Fit, yeah. And fit. evolution of the game. Fit, tight yeah, style style of play. I mean he still gets exposed. Like if, if the he, other yeah. coach is merciless and says, Hey, I want you to switch <clears throat> get bolded on you every time. He had a rough he, game he against can, yeah, UVA. He get exposed, and, and then you just have to adjust. <laughs> he's, he's had a few rough games. He had a rough game against Gonzaga. He had a rough game against UVA. and But I'll say this. That that guy tries. Yeah. That guy really, his help defense is, is there. Yes. You know? Casas in the UVA game, he overhelped on that one critical late possession. But yes, I agree with you. He... Blocking shots. Sir, blocking. You know, in the Syracuse game. He yeah, I think that the Syracuse season. game. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, he's not... He's not perfect. He's not perfect. He's not the greatest yeah. defensive yeah. player. I feel but like he's, he's, he's pretty better. good. The more he plays, the more he plays, yeah. the more he gets a feel for the game, the more he, he learns through his mistakes. He was minute-starved the previous two years. He never just got like a full a lot of guys. Just yeah. like a lot of guys. You know, the guy who is probably, like, hasn't stepped up defensively 
And it, you know, back to your question about minutes and distribution, Alex O'Connell stepped in in the second half of the Syracuse game to provide a much needed offensive boost. Yeah. We had guys that weren't stepping up <clears throat> without Trey Jones, you know, and Cam Reddish. Yeah. But he only, there but, was a de- defensive energy also. A lot of times he was disrupting passes. Get, there was definitely a stretch he's disruptive. Where, where he's 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 uh, stealing the ball, but then he like fumbles it out of bounds. But then he got burnt a decent amount of the the tail end of the game. Yeah, he's he's not he's not he's active, he's but active. he's he's not strong, and he doesn't yes. do a good job of staying in front of his guy. For someone who he's probably he's quick, right? But. I don't think he's a, a strong overall. I don't think he's a he's a positive presence on defense. Yeah, and I think that's why the last two games, even after that nice stretch of offensive play and against Syracuse, we haven't seen him very much. And Goldwire kind of scarfed his minutes a little yeah. bit uh, against Princeton. And by the way, Goldwire played outstanding defense in that game. Came up with a, at least two steals. Yeah, you know, blue, blue one or two layups. Still um, hasn't had a shot. <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's not. But um. But yeah, I, I, I feel like yes, he has. If you could combine Goldwire and O'Connell into one player, he'd be like the perfect sub. I think we've said that about many teams, but yeah, sub, yeah. But um. I, I also think it, it helps out on the offense to relieve uh, sort of the the burden for RJ to to bring up the ball and initiate the offense. I think, you know. All right. So um. Obviously, huge win against UVA. Great for the team. They do it without Trey Jones. Yeah. Uh, they do it at home, though. We have another yeah. game at UVA yeah. in a couple weeks, and I can't wait for that one. Um, I think we ran like a little good on, on UVA missing some wide-open threes yeah. that they, they worked for. you yeah. know. But we also shot very poorly from three. Which, I know we're not a great Which is understandable, shooting. but I love yeah. the fact that we went from 43 threes attempt in the Syracuse game to 13 in the Virginia game. And I really liked it when Zion 14, had, but had, yeah. had like a wide open three and then he thought better of it. Like, I just, I like that the shot selection is improving. And I was very surprised at the ease with which our players were able to attack the basket. Virginia pack line defense is supposed to um, emphasize help defense in the paint. But it seemed like our guys were slashing through it for the majority of the game. Um, Virginia, I, I was surprised. They shot very well in the game. They just missed a ton of threes. They missed they missed the threes. They they were very efficient in terms of shot selection. Yeah. You know, even their threes, they weren't usually bad shots. They took great shots. Yeah. Um, They're a great I think, team. I think we had nine or ten offensive rebounds in the first half okay. against them. <clears throat> um, I think we had nine offensive rebounds in the first half. Only one in the second half. They made an adjustment. Okay. Uh and they, they made it tougher, you know. But there's a there's a bounceability second bounce thing with Zion. Zion? Yeah, and 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 RJ and and Zion. Also, Quiz, I think kept a, more than a few balls alive. Absolutely. Jack White also. Ja- yeah, I mean Jack played 40 minutes and had f- four rebounds and one steal against UVA. He he didn't, you know, he had, you know, he didn't make a three in that game again. Um, he's a, a little gun shy. He's he's been you know he's been struggling a little, but I like the way he played against Pitt, and I I still think he's a great role player for this team. Yeah. Um. So I like the way Bolden's stepping up and being the best version he can be of himself. 
Yeah. I still like Jack White, even though he's going through a shooting slump. Um, it's interesting to see what will happen with Alex O'Connell and Goldwire. We need Trey Jones back at some point. And I guess the two guys I have questions about, and I, I put questions about R.J. Barrett in, in sort of, you know, quotation marks because he's, he's, a, he's a beast. But, like, um, as I watched Zion distribute the ball in the second half of that pick game, I also watched RJ kind of force up three or four kind of ugly shots, uh, kind of wasted possessions. And against UVA, he was terrific, right, and effective. Um, and so we're seeing, like, Jekyll and Hyde a little with RJ Barrett on the offensive end. I, I think he's becoming a little more team concept. He's deferring yes. a little more to Zion, yeah. which is great. But uh, okay. but there's still like a lot of possessions where he just puts his head down and he's not passing that ball. I you know I do recall a few possessions where he dribble penetrated with the intention of dumping it off or going for a corner three. Um, do you think he decides? Not, yeah. not not all the time, but even just a few times is more than what it was like to start off the season. Um, I, I guess he hasn't been positively rewarded because when he kicks it out, you know we're breaking all these threes. So that's true. At not, the same time, we're like asking that, oh, him to do, do that. that. They're just going to break a three. I might as well just take it myself. But I, I feel like there's so many easy layup opportunities if he drove and just dumped off to Bolden or or Delorier. I mean, or I think Zion. I think R.J. Barrett is a winner and like viciously cares about winning. Yeah. And I love what he's doing. Like he's, I think he's really stepped up on defense and he's hitting the yes. glass on defense. Um, I, I I see the team is kind of shifting. A little bit of the focus on offense is Zion. You know, we talked about them not running enough for him. And I thought there was a specific emphasis in... Which in, game? In, Syracuse? The second half? <clears throat> no, I mean, I, I starting saw... with the Syracuse game, I think yeah. there's been a specific intention for the team to get Zion the ball. Yeah. You know, and they... It, against uh, Syracuse, it was, it was the middle of the zone. Yeah. Against UVA, there was some of that too. But also, they're trying to get him more touches... Starting on the perimeter, and they're running. They're running a little more for him, and I think they can do more. But um, you know, even the possessions where he kind of his loose handle leads to like like sloppiness. sort of sloppiness. Like yeah. oftentimes he'll recover the ball and then find the wide open man. Like he'll yeah, it's amazing how often he gets the ball when he dives to the ground, and he still keeps it alive and, and keeps the play and he, going. And then he, he makes the right. Then he makes the right play. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I have a lot more confidence that we're going to get a good shot when he's got the ball in his hands and in possession, whether it's him shooting or not. You know, yeah. this is, he has so much gravity. Yeah. You know, and, and RJ, he uses the gravity a little a little more effectively. It's, it, it was, there was one move where he got, he got, he had like a, For who? a one, one Zion move. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm starting this hit pause and like frame by frame. Try to see how he got by the guy from like an awkward position. Yeah, there was there was one possession against Pitt where he's he's kind of got the ball at the top of the key and he sort of jukes left and like gets off balance a little. Yeah, the guy didn't even like come like you know sell out that way, and somehow he shoulders around him you know to the opposite way. Like he went left and then he ends up going right. And he takes one one step and he's just at the rim. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he's yeah. he's just at the rim, knifing down the, the lane. And he 
you know, split second earlier, the guy was right in front of him. He made the, sort of a clumsy move, and just one step, he's at the rim. It's uh, his, it's, his it's body, fantastic. his body control is is off the charts, um, but also his finishing capability. You know, like if he if he takes to the basket and it doesn't look like there's separation, a lot of times he jumps up, and his hang time is higher than his opponent. So his defender comes down, and somehow he's coming down at the last second. He flicks it up with a finger roll, goes in. He's literally an alien. The touch around the basket is incredible. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, he's getting fouled. Yeah, more often. Fouled, real physical. Yeah. Like Capel said they had to be more physical with him. But if you yeah. look at the... He phrased, look it, at a, he phrased it in a very interesting way. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, he's like, uh, no, so no, I'm no. I'm not talking dirty. Nothing dirty. But I'm talking a little extra oomph because, yeah, I mean, I think what he was saying from his perspective, sometimes like his players might be a little bit in awe of him or this guy's like a, a superstar to be... But he's like, you know, we got to take it to this guy. We need to not rough him up. Yeah, but there was play, a play, play on the play with more there was a play on the right side of the basket where like the guy just crashed into him while he was in midair. Yeah, and he not only gets the foul. I, I don't know what his shooting percentage is after getting fouled while he's hanging in the air. Talking about Zion, it feels like it's seventy five percent after he gets fouled. It's, you it's, know, it's it's, it's always it's you so think weird. it's higher than it actually is. Well, in the last three games. The last three games, I'll give you this stat. Those, those, He's 33 those... of 49 from the field yeah. and 1 of 9 from 3, which means he's 32 of 40 from yeah. the field that well, are three-pointers. If, if there's a foul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't count against him. How's he from the free throw line? Uh, free throw line continues to be a struggle, for, not just for him, but the whole team. Um, you, uh, 19, of, uh, tw- 19 of 32 from the line over those three games. Yeah. Thirty-two so, tight games, times. you know, could, could, could come <coughs> play. This, this is always a criticism of mine. Uh, yeah, so he's shooting sixty-seven percent for the year. Every, every year, I question, like Coach Cable, what the f are you doing? Uh, I loved Jeff Cable's T, the technical. Yeah, because it was like it was sort of a bad call, but it wasn't that bad. And he's like, he was just cursing out the refs. He's like, that's a fucking bullshit call. It's such a bullshit call. It's and he just went on and on and on, and then like he hugs the ref. He's like, "I'm sorry." That was probably like immediately after he got teed up. So R.J. R.J. Barrett was on the free throw line for the the foul, the quote unquote foul foul. Who shoots the technical fouls? It's crazy. Who shot the, the technical foul? Was R.J. R.J. Barrett? It, he he didn't want uh, Cam Reddish, who Coach K has called. The best shooter on the team to take the, the technical fouls. Even sort Cam, of crazy. Well, even Cam is only shooting 72% from I, the free throw line. Yeah, I get so it. But our, those, those are small samples. If they just said, yeah. hey, take 200 free throws uh, in practice, I'm pretty sure Cameron's going to be considerably ahead of I RJ. Mean, if, if Jack White's on the floor, he should take the free throws. He's shooting. Or Cam. Jack or Cam. You know, whoever the best yeah. free throw shooter is. But again, Coach K goes with my leader is going to take the technical fouls because he leads the team. It's old school. It's a little scary. <laughs> it's a little scary, you know? Uh, maybe maybe RJ's underperforming from the free throw line. But free throw shooting is an issue for this team. Give, when are you going to give up that argument? Yeah, free throw shooting is an issue for this team, right? They're shooting 67% from the line, which is what Zion's shooting. Yeah. So he's the average Th- for the there team. Aren't, yeah, there aren't that many... Uh, I'm going I'm to read, read them off. R.J. Barrett, 68%. Cam Reddish, 72%. Trey Jones, 58%. Yeah, but a lot of these numbers aren't... Uh, Jack White, 81%. Bolden, 68 surprisingly high. He's a sneaky good free throw shooter. 
Javin, 57. Uh, Alex O'Connell, 76. Hey, but yeah, but yeah, overall as a team, right. it, it is. It might be an Achilles heel in I tight mean, games. Of course it is. Yeah. Of course it will be. Um, you know, I don't know if we talked about it yeah. at the time, but the Gonzaga game, you know, were free, was the free throws. I'm sure. An issue. I'm sure. Let's let's check real fast. But uh, but I mean, these guys, these guys, I'm sure they quantify in in preseason. You know, they say, hey, go to the free throw line, take 200 free throws. They should know who the top two or three free throw shooters are, and I'm pretty sure it's not going to be RJ. Yeah, actually, we shot uncharacteristically well against Gonzaga, and Gonzaga shot poorly, so no excuses on that one. What did we, what did we shoot? <laughs> we shot 20 of 26 from the free throw line in the Gonzaga game, um, and Zion was perfect, six for six. Cam Reddish didn't miss a free throw. Bolden and Trey Jones, they they, they really did well, and uh, Gonzaga shot 11 and 19. Yeah. So, but. Gonzaga did shoot over 50% from three, which is certainly an outlier. No one shoots over 50% The thing from is, three. you and I won't know because you can't tell too much, say, off Trey Jones. He's probably had 15 or 20 free throws this year. But the coaches should know, you know? I'm sure they record yeah, you, 200 free throws, see what maybe the quote-unquote true free throw shooting percentage is. That guy should be the guy shooting technicals. Yeah. Um... I, I can't argue with you. I mean, it should be Jack White. He's the guy with the best percentage. Um, so, RJ, huge game against UVA. I mean, we don't... I mean, he was huge. A monster. monster. He was a, he, Amazing think, game, right? I think he started off a little rough, and then his second half was fantastic. Yeah, he made tons of big plays on the stretch. Everybody made big plays yeah. down the stretch. So he was attacking, 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 attacking. Yeah, and... Um, Which is what they should do. Attack. So I think we know what we have in RJ. I think we know what we have in Zion. I think we know what we have in Jack White. Even Trey Jones, if he can come back, you know, relatively quickly, <laughs> I think we're confident we know what he had. All these guys, I feel like I know who they are. Bolden, even yeah. Alex O'Connell. You have two big question marks. I, I can there's, see where this is going. There's one, really one guy I don't know. I don't know who he is yet. I don't know. Like I Talk about Jekyll and Hyde. Cam uh, Reddish. Yeah. I mean, he... He looked you, awful. You don't know what you have in Cam Reddish. That's <laughs> we don't know saying. what we have. I mean, as Cam Reddish, I don't know that it's really like as Cam Reddish goes, the team goes. If he wasn't on the roster, I still think we'd be pretty good. But he he hit a three, I think it was against Pitt, early in the game from like 24 feet. Yeah. Stroked it confidently. That was pure. Pure. And it's like, man, if he could do that. Like, if that's Cam Reddish, if that's really him, yeah, then he should be able to space the floor for, for Zion and RJ. And, like, you know, that's, like, the, the, the skeleton key, right? I mean, but but he's, he's not just... Uh, we're not using him as sort of a catch-and-shooter. We're using him as, like, an alternate primary... You know, he's running the weave up top with RJ and Zion, and yeah. he's getting some usage uh, as, like, a penetrator. And it just seems that he can't – he doesn't make good decisions with the ball. And he, he, he his handle is so okay, loose. It's just yeah. his turnover rate – I, mean, I saw I saw some percentage. His turnover rate was, like, 26% three or four games ago, and he's still turning the ball over. Yeah. Uh, so he had a fantastic game against uh, Florida, State. Florida State and wins the game. Then he gets sick. 
So I'm going to cut him some leeway. Um, but he hasn't played well really the last couple of games. A couple flashes. So where what okay. what do you think's gonna happen with Cam? Do you think he's gonna emerge? I, I think I think he's significantly better than he's been playing so far this year. I feel like he's probably played a little bit better this year than than what we're sort of remembering because <clears throat> he hasn't been playing that well in during ACC play and a little bit before then. Um, I agree. I totally agree with you. The turnovers he has a, a very um, very very poor sense of. Just, just to frame the discussion. Yeah. Six turnovers against Texas Tech. Six turnovers against Clemson. Four against Wake. Three against FSU. Four against Virginia. Three against Pittsburgh. And some of those games he played less, twenty minutes or less. Three of those games he played twenty minutes or less. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Dur- dur- during the, the 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 true depths of that stretch, it did seem like he might get benched. You know, it did seem like why is he starting over Jack White when? Jack White is shooting, stroking up here, is defending well, and Cam's just sort of struggling and turning the ball over a good four or five, six times a game. His, Half the time he touched yeah. the ball, he was turning it over, dribbling it off his foot. Yeah. It was really weird, actually. Well, not only that, but, but just his, his he seemed to, seems to lack court awareness. Like a lot of times he's trying to do something a little bit too ambitious into help defense. And I sort of, I've, I've actually thought a decent amount about Cam Riders the last few days. His season up until now is somewhat reminiscent of Jason Tatum's um, first 10, 10, 15 games his freshman year. They're both too tall to think they can dribble the way they do. They're both 6'8". Yeah, I, I, they, I don't think it's a good comparison. He's, he's, dri- he's dribbling thinking that he's like a 6'2 guard. And, and it gets stripped a lot. It gets bounced <coughs> off his foot. He's a, he's a little out of control. He's making a little too ambitious passes. Um, I mean, Tatum was outstanding, and he just had a slight tendency to over, you know, I agree. He, well, he, he took a little a, overconfident with his handle. Yeah, you know, and he took that a, kind of a thing. lot of... Yeah. Uh, In that respect, I, I see the comparison, just yeah. that tendency. But with Cam, it, it's like 40% of his game. And it, is, is it feels like it is these, these sort of drives. He winds up in no man's land, committing yeah. offensive fouls. And, you know, um, it's interesting. It's just, it's very, it's a sort of a, he's like an enigma at this point to me. But I I want to see the good version of Cam. I want to see him get there. Coach K made a point during one of these press conferences that actually was the the ESPN interview um, that he did uh, for SportsCenter. And he's like, listen, I don't want to hear, the only thing I don't like Asked him like a challenging question is is guys ripping players individually because these kids these kids games are not developed yet they're works in progress and I mean I, I think he's talking about Bolden and he's talking about Cam Reddish because Zion Zion is still in progress but what's there is pretty fantastic I, I the don't other guy any criticisms of Zion yeah. outside of you know, maybe. <laughs> Or R.J. Barrett, he responded to some criticism about R.J. earlier yeah. in the season. He's, I mean, he's been super defensive. Right. But, but Cam, Cam Cam is completely work in progress, you know, at this level of basketball. This stuff, this loose style, like, might have worked AAU because AAU is a, a skill showcase a lot of the time. Right. But these guys are, we're playing high-level competitive college basketball games against as, as Coach K would put it, men. Yeah. Right? 
And Cam Reddish kind of just looks like a boy out there. He's, he physically I, I, I has the tools. He's yeah, big. He's rangy. But the last thing I'll say about him is that he – I feel like I've said this about some other guys the past few years. He's super talented, but he's not actually like good at playing basketball yet. You know, he'll be good at playing basketball in four years in the NBA. You know, he'll get taught. He'll figure some things out. He could be good for this team. He could still be a good college basketball player. Yeah. But it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe a little more reminiscent of like a Jalen Brown who never scored that much in college but had all the tools. You could see it. Um, I could see him, his game getting tight and later. But the question is, can we get my, make yeah, use? My of, question is, can make use can out of him happen, now? Can it happen <laughs> in the next two months? Um, I, yeah. I, how much of how how much of use is he to this team? Yeah. Can he be the X factor, the skeleton key, the some thing to bring us to another level? He's a top ten NBA draft pick. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I think he can. So we'll I'll, see though. I want to say maybe like one month ago or three weeks ago, there was an article up on the Ringer about Cam Reddish the biggest mystery for Duke. And, you know, they described it as, look, this guy's six foot eight with a seven foot two wingspan with a beautiful outside stroke. He's going to be a lottery pick. He's probably going to be a top five, top top eight pick. They were trying yeah. they were trying to explain why it was he hasn't quite fit in or why he was struggling so much. And I think it was a combination of two things. One, in high school, in AAU, he was R.J. Barrett on that team. On this particular Duke team, he still has to sort of like fit in as a complimentary piece. Yeah. You talked a little bit about maybe staggering the minutes, let him be the ball dominant guy, but there's no staggering the minutes when when RJ, RJ never sits. It. RJ never sits exactly. Yeah. And so one one Cam has to try to figure out how to be more complimentary, or maybe the second or the third on a team, and then he started struggling, and then it sort of snowballed mentally. You know, while Zion's getting all this praise, RJ all this praise. I'm sort of struggling. And then, um, I don't know, after that Florida State game, my hopes were so high. I mean, I think that's why I was so tough on him after the uh, the Syracuse game. You were disappointed. And it was, I think, I you know, somebody wrote in and was upset, you know, and you read it, uh, that you would criticize this guy for sitting out for being sick. I mean, Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons sat out games for the 76ers for having an upper respiratory infection. The flu season's going around. And if he was really sick, he needed to stay away from the other guys and you get everybody else sick, right? Whatever. Like, we don't, we don't need to question 18-year-old, like, even 22-year-olds or 28-year-olds. Like, they're, they're humans, and they get sick. I get sick. It yeah. happens, The right? only thing I said was I just dinged <laughs> him a little tiny bit because he sat out because he had flu-like symptoms. That's that's That's... That was my position. That was I, the only information you had. I still, I still. You're stick, a dick. You're I, a dick. You're I still a dick. stick by. I mean, <laughs> listen. If you, if you like, you know, if, if he if he had the runs or if it was like an intestinal issue, it's fine. But if it's like a, a flu like symptom, you know, hydrate. They uh, there's all stay types away. Of medical stuff stay away from do. Zion. <laughs> <laughs> stay. Don't breathe on Zion. I mean, stay away. So I, I, I sort of feel like from the team doctor's <laughs> perspective, in, in collaboration with Coach K, they're thinking like, oh, there's no chance we're going to lose to Syracuse at home. I mean, they yeah. still had Trey Jones at the time. Why don't you rest up, get, get better, because there's no way we're going to lose. And I, I was more upset that we lost as a huge favorite at home to 
a team we probably had no business losing to. They play great. Yes, they, they did. They did. They play great. Yes, they so, did. So I'll say this: this other thing about Cam is that I love his defensive presence. We touched on it earlier, and you know I don't think it's a coincidence that him playing more major minutes the last few games, and and we're we're do we're, we're pretty effective on defense. He's he's really disruptive. He, he that's a lot of deflections and yeah. these. Uh, I guess my 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 bottom line take on Cam Reddish is I feel like when he's in the game. And he gets the ball in his hands, which doesn't really happen all that often. He's going 60, 65, 70. He should slow it down to like 40, 45 because it's probably going to be better overall in terms of what happens. I like that comment. Uh, I'd like to see him shoot threes, right? He, he does. I, I believe in the stroke. Yeah. And I'd like to see him like in transition. I, I, I don't want to see him driving in the traffic. I just at yeah. this point, and if he does, I'd like, I'd like to see him pull up. He has a strong pull up game. Yeah, I'd like to see him pull up, and you know, I hope he has. I think he has like, I'd like to see him utilize like some sort of floater, some version of that, because in the college game they really do call a lot of charges, and he's he's been the victim of of that uh, sort of tendency to to lower his shoulder. Yeah. Um, and you know, Jack White was playing better than Cam Reddish. But you see Jack White's game is limited, and Cam Reddish's game really... We have no idea what the ceiling is. Uh, yeah, the ceiling is so much higher that um, it would be a shame if he wasn't on the court and didn't, and we didn't get to see any of that upside. And against Florida State, we saw it. Uh, and uh, it was a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine that, like, okay, to, to go back to... We're taking Zion for granted... You know, this guy's going to score 20 every first half, 25, 30 every, 35 every game. RJ, you can just put it down in the book for 20, 25, 30 every game. If this guy could elevate his game to do what he did, maybe not. We don't need him to score 25 a game. But did you just, I didn't, just, just value those possessions? Yeah, I mean, he's had good games. He's hit yeah. bunches of threes. He made seven threes in a game in the second game of the season. He scored 22 against Kentucky in our first game. You know, he's he's had some some poor games. That's all, and his efficiency has been poor. He's turning the ball over. He's just there, sort, there's a lot of room for yeah. improvement. On one hand, it's scary what this team would look like if he could perform at a 17, 18 points a game without turning the ball over, so on and so forth. But also, if you look at a team like the Boston Celtics, they have all these great wings, great players, great scores. It takes a while for people to figure out. When it's their turn, how to share the ball? Who's gonna, I mean, who, who's who's going to do what? And yeah. it's it's you know, the question is asked: Can you have too many really really good players? It's it's a valid valid question. Because somebody has to take the worst of it. It's usually the third guy. Look at all of LeBron's championship teams: Chris Bosh, Kevin Love. They get trashed. Yeah. Uh, so we're kind of. Kind of like here comes the Cupcake City part of the stretch. Yeah, we're kind of at the halfway point in the season, not the halfway point in the ACC season, almost. Yeah. Um, and the first half of the year has gone mostly very, very well. It's a shame Trey got injured. Shame Zion got poked in the eye in that game. It's a shame Cam had to set out the Syracuse game. And we've lost a couple games, but I love the way this team's coming together. Um, I love how active we are on defense right now. I love that there's 
three guys on the team averaging two steals a game. You know, uh, I love that we're blocking shots. I love that we're big. I love that we finish. Uh, we have a e relatively easy stretch coming up here, and then the onslaught comes again. With we're gonna have a tough at Louisville. Yeah. At UVA. That game's gonna be killer. Two UNC games. At Syracuse, I think maybe. Uh, I don't know that we. Virginia Tech. We haven't played. Yeah, Virginia Tech's really good this year. We play at Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's having an off year. Where the prospects for your trip are <clears> there? Uh, it's not good. No, okay. it's not good. No, I'm not gonna be okay. be able to get out there. But yeah, starting uh, basically the next games are at home against Georgia Tech, who's playing pretty well. I think look at their game. schedule; they're actually playing pretty well. Yeah, they are playing pretty well. St. John's and BC. After that, never take St. John's for granted. We've Shemari learned Bonds is still there, I think. Yeah, Boston College has some great guard. As a uh, Kai, Kai Bowman Kai still. still. Yeah, and uh, so the next four games. If Trey's in back, we might still see some zone then. Yeah, there's against great guards. Um, yeah, it's really like. We got a couple weeks where we we, sh you know, we'll see. It's ACC, but hopefully we can get through the next four, get stronger, improve as a team. Trey comes back sometime in the next two two and a half weeks, uh, hopefully earlier, but maybe just for the Virginia game. We play at, on starting on February 9th at Virginia at Louisville three days later against NC State, who's tough this year at home, uh, and then. North Carolina, you're right, at Syracuse, at Virginia Tech, uh, Miami, Wake, and then at Carolina in the season. So um, <clears throat> there's work there's work to be done, and I hope we, uh, we I hope we see Cam step up, get more consistent over the next couple weeks, get some more confidence, and the defensive improvement continuing. Um, I would like to see Zion Williams, Williamson, <laughs> break an opponent's hand on some ferocious dunk. Because it seemed like, I mean, there are multiple blocks where I, I worry about the other guy's hands. I'm at the point where I'm worrying about Zion. Every time, he go, on the every time he goes to the floor, you know. Or get, it, like, I'm, I'm valuing every Zion offensive possession and, like, the special defensive play. Like, I'm, I'm rewinding it and watching it three times, at least once. Slow-mo. I am just not taking this guy for granted. It is really, really special, and you know we only got about ten more ACC games, and then the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament. Appreciate this. We're never going to see a guy like this again. <laughs> Play it in a Duke it's uniform. TV. This guy I mean, is going to be our Jordan. I mean, yeah, I understand people are going to come out and see Duke games anyway, but with <laughs> RJ and Zion, can't miss. Yeah. Uh, halfway through the year, you know, we did our greatest freshman list ever. If you missed it, go back to an earlier podcast. Actually, you did your list, and I criticized you. And then uh, we had you had Jabari and Marvin Bagley at the top of your best Duke freshman list. I stand by that. Uh, if you know, if you had to guess where Zion and RJ are going to fit, and Trey Jones on that list. Uh, you know, are they going to be... Zion would, one? Zion would be one. Uh, RJ would not necessarily be two at this point. But maybe. Oh, for sure, maybe. I mean, depending yeah. on what happens in the postseason. Um, listen, RJ is fantastic. I mean, I, I feel like 
my mixed feelings about him come out. He's, he's fan, fantastic. Yeah, he's fantastic. But he's still going to have occasional games where he's 8 for 30 or 7 for 24. All these kind of crazy games. Um, I just wish... He's shooting 45% from the field. Yeah, which is know, great. Which is pretty good. But he's also chucking up a lot of threes. Yeah. If, he, if he's shooting 17 threes in a game, we're probably not going to win. Yeah, he was eight of thirty from the field against uh, Syracuse, which is which is sort of unbelievable. I mean, I, I get it; there were some people out, but well, nobody let, wanted let, to take a okay, shot. Listen, nobody wanted let, to take a shot. Let me say this: RJ is <laughs> another person that I've thought a lot about in the last three or four days. RJ is going to go on. He's going to be an NBA All Star. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, he's going to win NBA championships like 20, 25 years down the road. Okay. I'm not sure all those things are true, but okay. L- let's say he's going to be a good, NBA, happen, be a good okay? NBA player. He declares, you know, 2038 is going to be my final year. In his final game, it would not shock me if he shot the ball 61 times like Kobe did. That's why it's tough for me to like really wrap my arms around him and embrace him because I feel like there might be something wrong with people who do that, you know? I hear you. I hear you. Like Kobe taking sixty-one shots just makes a complete farce out of basketball. It's just a complete joke. And the thing is, I really like Kobe. I really like you know his his good his good side. Like RJ, I I, I love that. But man, you take a lot of threes, dude. <coughs> he does. I mean, you know, we don't have to litigate this now at the end of the podcast. But he's. Um, it could it could cut that way a little where we decide he he was just great great player but too much of a ball hog you know um, um, at the end of it you know if we, do, we're do judging think, a season do you think he will have a game this year where he shoots the ball more than thirty times uh, well he had one where he shot thirty so already. Was, probably was, not. What was his next closest? Probably not. I mean, that was an overtime game against yeah. Syracuse where we were missing Trey Jones, and, and, and certain we, guys were just kept passing him the ball because yeah, they we, wanted we, him to do it, and Zion was tired at yeah, the we, end. We, could, we couldn't so do it. So we're killing him for it, but he was willing, you know. And he had a rough game um, on the offensive end. The next one was 26 against oh, Kentucky. Only 26 shots. Yeah. But, you know, what the question is, like, is he ever going to have a game where he shoots less than 14 times? And the answer is probably not, yeah. you know, unless he gets injured halfway through a game. <clears throat> but but I, mean, I think we, we actually yeah, need him to, it's to, in his, yeah. to, yeah, we need yeah. him to I've, be himself. I've actually altered a little bit of my opinions over the last two games as to who's more valuable, Trey Jones or R.J. Barrett, you know? Yeah. He's, uh, he's really good. Yeah, he's good enough that, that he just can slay UVA, you know, along with his buddy Zion. You know, and they didn't have a lot yeah. else on the court in those games, on the offensive end. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all and, right. And he brings it. Every game, every possession. Did you, um, did you want to, you sent me something today with a, someone emailed about uh, Coach K. Uh, you know, was Coach K outcoached by, by Tony Bennett in the UVA game? Was that the question? Yeah, it was an observational email. Um, it, the gist of it was essentially, should we, we shouldn't say his name, right? Um, yeah, I think the, the gist of it was... Um, a guy named Brian uh, messaged, and uh, the gist of it was that 
UVA took advantage of switching yeah, in a way taking, that they were taking the, advantage of Marquise Bolden. Yeah. Uh, and and we and we did not take advantage of mismatches that we we could have created offensively. We're not we're not setting yeah. screens with our with Zion and trying to get Kyle Guy switched onto him, yeah. etc. Yeah, uh, for the mismatch. But <clears throat> you know, I actually thought the UVA game is a, a poor example. I thought it was actually a game where Coach K actively coached and very well. And I think Coach K becomes a more activated version of himself when we have injuries. And like when he gets tested like that with really good teams, we see the best version of Coach K. You know, <clears throat> and he comes up with a wrinkle to switch the zone to get us some some wind when he has to play certain guys the whole game. Yeah. And he comes up with the the wrinkle to you know we we complained actively about our 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 ball our high ball screen defense against Florida State. We got you know Bolden got exposed, our defense got exposed, and so against UVA. They decided they're going to switch everything, right? Like, that was a good adjustment, and it worked. Right. You know, and then they took advantage of it the other way in the second half, and he switches to his own. And that worked. Okay. Yeah. You know? And then, um, so, I, I think Coach K is actually having I, I a the, really good year. I thought the Virginia you know? game was very good from his perspective when you contrast it to how we approach the Syracuse game. Yeah. You know? And if he's the jockey of this team, and he's – you know he's doing he's, he's he's making the right moves in terms of like recognizing Zion needs the ball in his hands, and that's that's starting to happen. You know Zion wouldn't disappear, but he'd get less touches, less shots up. He's the most efficient player in college basketball, and so they're getting him more looks. And Coach K kind of generally lets his guys free flow, but it's clearly a point of emphasis right now. And maybe the other guys are just recognizing it. But to get I'm Zion giving, the ball? Yeah, I'm giving him credit for, for getting Zion the ball. And I think he's going to work on getting more things there. Yeah. Um, you can't give him credit. You can't give Coach K credit for, like, the way Zion is or the way RJ is. They came in as complete players. But you can give him credit for molding the team and getting people comfortable in their roles. You know, <clears throat> I like what he's doing with Cam, I, Cam Reddish. I, I think he's doing yeah. fantastic. Yeah. There's years where I feel like he, he, he isn't or he hasn't had the, the ch- enough chance to. The year when Giles and Tatum came out of, you know, injuries and Bolden was injured that year. You know, there was a limited opportunity to really get those guys going and he had the Grayson Challenge. Um, <clears throat> the Grayson Challenge? Grayson uh, tripping issue and... The suspension. It, I mean, what a tough year. I, I that year. I, I how mad could you be at Coach K and the staff? Last year, I felt like was the disappointment. But looking back, I just they. It was a tough, a tough hand that he sort of dealt himself by having guys that come in with talent. The 2016-2017 season. This past year with uh, Trey Deval and Marvin 17. Bagley and Carter, it was like an overload of talent. But, but. He still almost overcame the defense fatal flaw. Yeah, and we still almost went to the Final Four. I mean, that that shot banks in, and we might win the national championship. They don't make those last second. I guess. I guess I have a question for you. You're often critical of Coach K. We, you know, we have to nitpick, right? Um, But you don't feel like he's actually a terrible coach. No. (laughs) You know, we say it out loud on the podcast. Look, obviously, he's the best ever he's the best at building a program 
He's the best at connecting with the kids. He's the best at so many things. It just it just annoys me when um, in the Syracuse game, you can't do a certain thing. Your team can't do a certain thing. A few of your guys are out. It's pretty clear that you can't enter the ball to Zion. You can't dribble penetrate. You end up taking a ton of threes. If that's the case, then let the best three-point shooters shoot a bunch of threes. Well, there's always stuff to pick out. Yeah. There's always things to criticize. And some podcasts, some guys I know that went to let, Duke let could never criticize free, Coach K. Right. Let your right. best and, free throw shooter shoot the technicals. <laughs> I mean, it's just, just math. Right. He's not perfect. Coach K is not perfect. He's, he's the greatest. He's old, he's old school also. Yeah, he's, he's evolving. He's modern. I mean, there are so many great things about Coach K. I love him. He's still sort of insufferable a little bit here and there on the interviews. You know, they were saying like, Somebody asked him a question about Jeff Cable being the point man in recruiting, like, say, Zion. And Coach was like, no, 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 no. I'm the point man. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, the head coach is the recruitment. I mean, like, okay, maybe that's true, but you don't have to say that, you know? Well, he has a buck stops here mentality. Yeah, and, and, yeah of course. And, like, he takes responsibility. He doesn't put it on his players. Yeah. He never kills a guy to the, to the press, you know? You're talking about his player. Yes. Yeah, but he's he's, like killing the messenger he's killing the poor 28 year old journalist or the 32 year old journalist who's <laughs> just fun. asking an honest question and yeah Coach but they're just, uh, uh, yeah a little and, and also do you see the handshake line with Jim Mayheim just gives him the straight blow by well I think I think he's he's pretty on the chest. he's pretty tight you, you with played it. great you're a great you're a great program <laughs> you're gonna have a great season when he loses he's just but this is what this is what this is what I'm talking about, though. Like we're willing to sort of we're willing to to, to take him down a notch, but it's all with a grain of salt. You know, we we recognize he's the greatest. It's all with much love. Yeah. And crazy fanaticism, hence the word fan. You know, Junkie. Who else, sure. Who else is going to watch all the games twice and <laughs> listen to all the interviews and? Read all the articles and pour over all the stat sheets, unless you're truly fanatical about the program. Absolutely, we we love we love Coach K. We love the program, but we don't feel like it's heretical to to, to point out things that, that that should be pointed out that can be pointed out, and we recognize that even Bill Belichick makes mistakes. So the question is: Is Tony Bennett out coach Coach K? Yeah, my, my Tony answer, Bennett's probably a better game coach. My, my like, answer was usually, like, yeah, a but, lot of the younger coaches. But he's not a better coach. He's not a better program coach. My question to coach, you right? would yeah. be, and I know this is a little bit unfair because part of coaching is recruiting, but you give all of Coach K's rosters over the last 20, 30 years to Tony Bennett or, say, Brad Stevens, I, I mean, I think they're going to do better. It, we'll never know. We'll never know because Brad Stevens and – Tony Bennett are not have not been capable of recruiting the the classes yeah, of players I mean, Coach K recruiting is has gotten probably the biggest part of I'll also say this. Coaching. When Coach K had less talent, his teams often had miraculous results. How far back are we going? Uh well, I'm talking about the eighties. The eighties in particular. What about the seventies? Did he have a good record in the seventies? As the army coach? <laughs> yeah. His, his record wasn't that great. Uh I think, I think, 
coaches rise to challenges, yeah. you know. <laughs> and Tony Bennett has to install a certain system. He gets players that buy into that system. He's good at coaching his program. He's yeah. really, really good at it. Yeah, I, and I, Coach I, K yeah. is good at coaching his program. Yeah. And he's really, really good at it. And sometimes your roster ends up, like, you know, not – like I, like we. If, I feel if, like Tony Bennett, we didn't see the best version of Virginia. We're going to see it in two weeks. Their best version scares me. You know? yeah, I actually thought they played yeah. pretty well. Virginia? They didn't. They didn't shoot that well. Okay. But I thought they played okay. well. We'll, could, we'll. We'll find out yeah. in a couple of weeks. Coach K, I feel like, especially in the last five or six years, where he's recruiting these lottery guys, these clear NBA talents, I feel like he has loosened control a bit because because these guys already know they're going to be superstars, so he can't really like just really dig in and 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 coach them the way he did. Maybe he did to Jay Billis in the nineteen eighties. Well, there's, yeah. there's an inability when you're recruiting guys at this level to actually like choose exactly who the guys are that come in because you you don't know 100%. Like, Zion seems incredibly coachable. My guess is Coach K can say anything to him. And he doesn't have to worry about him. Right. And then you have other guys who, whoever they are, <clears throat> I don't know who these guys are behind closed doors, but everyone requires different handling. You know, and to that extent, I know he's changed because he used to just be hard on everyone, right? Yeah. And there's the door. <laughs> you know, there, yeah. there's the door. And, uh, you know, drop your jersey off if you can't take it, like Bobby Knight used to be. But it is different now, you know, and there are consequences to those differences. And he's playing a different game with who he recruits. And what's amazing is I know Tony Bennett can build a certain program and coach a certain way. Yeah, but I don't know that he can do what Coach K's done and basically be Tony Bennett in the '80s, and then be somebody else later, and then be someone else and have success each decade, um, connecting with players. You know, the, we we played a a really attractive, good style of basketball for a long time. And he does make adjustments, and he learns from other coaches. So, yeah, I, yeah, he, he gets out coached sometimes. Uh, okay. But when Coach K yeah. gets out coached, yeah. it's like ah, Coach K got out coached. When Tony Bennett gets, you know, loses in the tournament, yeah, he faces criticism. But it isn't like oh, he's supposed to be the greatest coach of all time, you know. So, you know, if, if that was Coach K losing in the first round second round of the tournament so with, with frequency over the last five years with number one number two seeded teams like he'd be getting slayed in, in, in the national media you know and Tony Bennett's like well hey he's doing a great job with the talent he say, has say if he lost in the first <clears throat> or second round he'd be getting slayed right we don't talk about the fact well, you I, mean, know, I, I think he it, sort of has he Lee, has Lee kind of, or... we have sometimes yeah I mean Everyone loses sometimes, you know. Yeah, I mean, of course. <clears throat> my, my, my final point on that is um, I, wa- I wonder how hard, like, say, for example, let's go into the, I, I go to this guy, I know you hate this, just real quickly. Let's go to the Oklahoma City locker room. Do you think Billy Donovan can look at Russell Westbrook and say, listen, you're a career 29, 30, 30% <clears throat> three-point shooter, you're shooting seven threes a game. 
I mean, there's a point in time where you should be shooting threes, but overall, you should. That's not the best part of your game. You should be doing this other thing. Do you think Billy Dominant could actually say that? I have no idea what their relationships like. Obviously, I. I but, would, but but in the NBA, the player is bigger than the coach, yeah. and I feel like with all these one and dones, like can Coach K go to RJ Barrett and say, "Hey, RJ, uh, maybe not 17 threes. Just take like four or five threes. And, and how receptive would RJ be? Can he go to Trayvon Duvall and say, hey, look, stop lollygagging on D? Because if he said that, the message wasn't delivered. It seemed like Trey was lollygagging on D all the time. So my question is... With I think the message was to, was sent to him in to, various to, to ways. Who, to who? Trayvon Duvall. I, I'm okay. guessing they tried a lot of different things. Okay. And ultimately, he was it all bounced off him, right? He was impervious to coaching. Yeah, and then and afterwards he was critical of the program. He, I mean, he was bit, not self-reflective bit. enough. I mean, the the compelling quote should have been about like the fact that he he was a bit of a failure. You know, he he played some great college basketball games, but I don't know that he really knew. I don't really you know the people around him. I, I don't I just don't know that he knew yeah. what had happened and why. And it, you know, take all about taking responsibility. But uh, <clears throat> you know, should we should we be like running more ball screens for Zion and getting better matchups for these guys and RJ? Yeah, you know, I think the the guy who sent the message is, is is not incorrect. We could do more of that, but I think there's only so much time to coach these guys, and I think they've been working on defense, and we're one of the most efficient, best offenses in the in the country. And defense, <clears throat> right? But the offense just that's there. These guys yeah, don't because really. Because we have we these guys who are going yeah. to be in the NBA and doing well there. That's right. We don't need to. You know, we're talking about like we're not running enough stuff, but we don't need to run stuff. We're scoring. Right. What we need to do is come together as a team and on defense. And yeah, we need to send a message to RJ. I think that like look for your teammates. But you made a, a good point earlier about they're missing shots. So maybe RJ's. It's like, why would, I, why would I pass it to this guy? He goes over 10 for three. <clears throat> There's one guy that doesn't miss shots. His name's Zion. And they are looking for each other, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think Coach K is doing a, a phenomenal job this year. And I think he had a very difficult job the previous couple of years. And he had health issues. You know, I think we're getting a really good version of Coach K. And, uh, you know, enjoy this. Because we're not going to get too many more years of this kind of Coach K, you know, yeah. where he actually connects with players and everybody's in it also together. Also has a team this good. Um, yeah. Did, did you see, we, we lost out on a top five recruit, Isaiah Stewart, <clears throat> to Washington. We, yeah. were, we were in the running to get him. Next year's class is not really shaping up as like, oh, like the, the Vernon past, Carey past committed. Three. Right, Vernon Carey is the top 10, five or 10. Uh, Wendell Moore is the top 25. But um, Joey I, Baker. I, I just looked at the most recent thing. Yeah. Both of those guys are like twenty three or twenty fourth on the draft board for the for the next year. You know, it's not like Cam, Zion, and RJ coming in as one, two, three. Like the composition of oh, yeah. next year's incoming class. <clears throat> obviously, there's time. Obviously, there's still a lot of players left. But at this point, the last three years, we had hands down the best class. So yes. he, maybe he's really valuing this opportunity. Got to get number six. Well, and we're talking about not taking Zion for granted. We only have. 15, 20 games left of him. But this, there's a chance this is the last great 
Coach K team. I don't think it will be. I think there's going to be. I think the next couple of years we'll have other teams that are really good. But there's a chance we'll never see a team this good that Coach K is at the helm of again. And that's that's a that's a real thing to think about and cherish and enjoy. Uh, so that's more impetus to be a fan for this particular year. It's just Watch the games don't miss any of the games. Take nothing for granted. Yeah. Take Coach K. Don't take Coach K for granted. He's he's getting up there. Don't take this program for granted because it's it's not always going to be like this. You know, nobody stays this close to the sun forever. You know, and yeah, next year's team won't be as good as this year's team. It won't be nearly as talented. It'll be interesting. You know, we haven't talked about next year's team much at all because we're just right. We're we're riding this horse, right? This is this is fun. We'll yes. get to it later. We'll yes. get to it later, uh, and you know that'll be interesting too. But um, but this this is this, this could it's be a it. Good team, man. Yeah, this, this is a great, great team to root for. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, all right, man. That's it. Another awesome. uh, episode of the Duke Basketball Talkies. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, you know, we, we really enjoy talking about the team. We really love watching this year's special, and hopefully it continues. Um, I concur. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, thanks for coming in, Pete, late on a Wednesday night. And uh, go do it. guys. Yeah, thanks we for listening. Catch a game together. We should watch a game together. We live we, we used to watch, three miles from each other. We used to watch almost every game together. I did reach out. I did reach out, right? The UVA game, I told you, the smoke is over. I've gotten very good at watching every game while I'm playing poker. Do you watch the UVA game while you're playing poker? All the games. In fact, I instructed everyone to bet the house on Virginia. Then I instructed them at halftime when I found out Virginia was getting laid a half point. The second half, bet Virginia. And I don't bet Duke games, either side, almost all the time. So, And I I had no action, but... Scared of Virginia. Still scared of Virginia. Wait, so you're playing poker during every one of these games? A lot of them. And then I watch the game later, later, either that night or the next day. You just can't get up from these games for two hours? Watch the, You can't go sit in the Bellagio Sportsbook? By the way, if anyone wants to... I, I could, but... You if anyone would, wants to... You, you would have to agree that uh, maybe like 40% of our games so far this year have been completely unwatchable. Should we advertise where you play poker in case anyone wants to come visit with you and talk Duke basketball, sit down in your game with you? and Pervert, guys, if you're going to sit down in the game with Peter, sit to his left, especially if it's a limit hold'em game because he's uh, out of control, uh, aggressive, and you don't want you don't want him to have position on you. Bellagio Poker Room, come find me. I'm there most days. You'll be the Asian guy in the Bellagio Poker Room? Asian guy, big head. <laughs> I think there's a few of those in the room. Yeah. He'll be the guy with the Yankee sign on. He's never, never watching. Anyway, you and I should watch it. Yeah, let's watch again. Watch one of these. Uh, let's, watch, let's try to watch like three or four or five games. Let's watch one. If you weren't allergic to my children, you'd 